Well, hello, everybody. Welcome again to Summit Church. And uh, y'all doing okay today? Doing good? I'm glad you've joined us today on social media here in the sanctuary. And uh, let's get right into the Word of God. Um, we uh, began a series last week on uh, the lessons from the kings. And uh, we're looking at the kings of the Old Testament and learning lessons from their lives. Now, remember, this is not history of the kings. It's lessons from the kings, okay? It's just lessons from their lives. And we can't possibly cover, you know, everything that happened to every king and get every last lesson in this series. But uh, we're going to go as the Lord leads and get the, get the things he wants us to get. What do you say? And so, uh, so, so this won't be an exhaustive study, but we'll, like I said, we'll, uh, we'll get what the Lord wants us to get. So anyway, last week, uh, we began with an introduction. So I, I did that last week. If you missed that, you can go to our, our, to our archives and get that. And then we started with lessons from King Saul, the first king. And, you know, of course, we said last week that uh, Israel having a king was never God's perfect will. You know, we talked about that last week. Israel moved over into God's permissive will, and then he began to deal with them based on on that. But uh, 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 but we covered that last week. So anyway, we, we said much about King Saul uh, and, and we almost finished him last week. Just a few things. Uh, remember his disobedience with the Amalekites showed that he could not be trusted as an instrument of God's will. And, uh, you know, he, de- he desired to assert his own will instead. And so the main lesson from King Saul was that uh, it was this to obey God is better than sacrifice. Okay, so that would be the main lesson I think that we would learn from his life. Remember, uh, after that incident, you know, where he did not wipe out all of the Amalekites and their livestock and all of that, God rejected him as king and the spirit of the Lord departed from him. Now, you need to realize in the Old Testament, uh, the spirit of God being on, on a believer was different than in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God just would come on the prophet, the priest, and the king. And then on others, as the Spirit of God needed them, like the judges and so forth, as God would need them to rise up and do things. But uh, other than the prophet, the priest, and the king, and then occasionally some other people, you need to realize the Spirit of God did not abide on those people in the Old Testament. You need to realize that. The Spirit of God came on Saul when, you know, shortly after he was anointed by Samuel with the oil, and uh, the Spirit of God stayed on him until he disobeyed God, and the Spirit of God left him. Now, we, we've got a good deal, because the Spirit of God here in the New Testament, since Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, when we believe on Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes within us, and He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Isn't that wonderful? And, and, and right here, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but remember when, when David, after he had sinned with Bathsheba, and, and Nathan the prophet came to him and he cried out with tears in his eyes and he said to God, he said, take not, mine, take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Remember that? Yes. You see, he saw that, he saw the precious Holy Spirit leave Saul. And he didn't want, David didn't want the Holy Spirit to leave him like he had left Saul. You need to realize that, see? And, and so they, what I'm trying to get through to you is, is that they, we've got a better deal than they had it in the Old Testament. 
Because the Spirit of God comes to us when we believe on Jesus and He never leaves us. But there, like in the case with Saul, uh, the Spirit of the Lord departed from him. And then, of course, the Bible says that an evil spirit, the, the King James says, from the Lord came upon Saul. But we, you study into that. The, whole, the Lord God Almighty did not, did not send an evil spirit of himself to come on Saul. You need to understand that. He allowed it to come on Saul, but he didn't send it. He didn't cause it. God does not work in conjunction with evil spirits. But when the Spirit of God left Saul, then he, he was open to, to demonic forces. And God allowed that. Do you understand, you understand that? Okay. But anyway, the Spirit of the, uh, of the Lord departed from Saul. And as you study his life after that, he would go into fits of rage and madness, you know, when that, that evil spirit came on him that, that God did allow to come on him. And... Uh, uh, and so he was rejected as king. Now, of course, during Saul's reign, young David came on the scene. And we'll talk about him today. Something else you learn from Saul is in relation to David is Saul was very jealous of David. And a lesson we should learn from Saul is not to be jealous of others. Not to be jealous of others, okay? You know, jealousy is a, is, is a, a very, uh, uh, it, 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 it's not a good thing when you're jealous of other people and what they have. And so let's learn that lesson from Saul, not to be jealous of other people and, 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 and of what they're doing and, you know, those sorts of things, okay? And what they have. Let's let's don't be jealous. Uh, let's just don't be jealous. All right. And. Uh, you know. Saul. Got to complete his reign as king. But he, he wasted most of his time chasing David, trying to kill him. And when you when you look at it, David meant Saul no harm. David loves Saul. We'll, we'll talk about that as we go. But, but think, about, about, think about what jealousy did to Saul. It, it, it turned him against somebody that was loyal to him. And, and it really played a great role in, his, in, his, in Saul's demise. It really did. He, and he wasted most of his, his time as king, really, from my study of it, or a lot of his time running around chasing you know, David through the desert and the hills and whatnot, trying to kill him. Anyway, after visiting the witch of Endor, now Saul should not have went to see the witch. But he did, and I'm not going to get into all that. Uh, I was going to, but the Spirit of the Lord just lead me to just move on. But the next day, uh, after he went and saw the witch of Endor, uh, Saul died. He died in battle along with uh, three of his sons, and he died by falling on his own sword. And so Saul, King Saul began his reign with great promise, but ended it in shame. And it's sad because he had so much promise when he started out. He was humble, remember, and, and God, God 
you know, in God's permissive will, chose him as, as king. And, and there was so much promise. And actually, if you study into it, before that, 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 uh, uh, that's, I think it was the, the situation with the Amalekites, or it may have, it may have been the situation when he offered that sacrifice, one or the other. But God's intention was to establish Saul as he later established David. That was God's intention. But Saul messed it up. I mean, you need to realize that as you study the scriptures, God wanted to do with Saul what he ultimately did with David. But Saul messed it up. He really just couldn't get over himself. You know, when, when, when we just can't get over ourselves, you know what I mean by that? And the hang-ups that... Does anybody have any hang-ups besides me? And, and uh, when we just can't get over those hang-ups, uh, it, it, it can cost us. And, and Saul was jealous and, and, and other things we, we could say and he didn't obey God fully. And, uh, and God could not do with Saul what God ultimately wanted to do with him. That's a lesson right there, isn't it? Uh, we need to be cooperative with the Lord and obey Him fully so that He can do everything with us that He wants to do, okay? Because He didn't get to do with Saul what He ultimately wanted to do, and He had to reject Saul. And Saul went through a whole lot of, lot of, lot of terrible things that he didn't have to go through because really he just couldn't get over himself. So he began his reign with great promise and ended it in shame. Now let's move on to the next king. Most people think that the next king was David. And, and really, the next king really was David, except for there was a, there was a king in between Saul and, and, and David, and it was Ish-bosheth. Ish-bosheth. I think that's how you say it. Ish-bosheth. And, uh, and, and after Saul's death, Ish-bosheth, was another of Saul's sons. Okay, now three of Saul's sons was killed in battle with him when they were against the Philistines. I think it was at Mount Gilboa, I think is where that happened. But he had this other son, Ishbosheth, uh, stepped in as king after, after Saul's death, but he was ill prepared to assume the throne. And actually the tribe, there were 12 tribes, the tribe of Judah elected or chose David. And so that's when David, you know, became their king. But the other 11 tribes were under Ishbosheth, And his reign was for only two years. And during that time, the 11 tribes fought in a civil war against Judah, where David was, was the king, you know. And there was a civil war going on for, for two years between the, the 11 tribes known as Israel and Judah known as Judah. Ishbosheth was over those 11 tribes. Uh, for two years, civil war, all of that. Uh, but you study it out. David meant them no harm, even in the, in the midst of that war. David meant them no harm. Uh, but anyway, there was a civil war. And uh, it's interesting, at the end of that time, uh, Ishbosheth was assassinated. He was assassinated. And, but, but he was just a puppet king. He was a puppet king under Abner, who was one of Saul's generals. And uh, really, uh, Abner ran the kingdom of Israel. Uh, Ishbosheth was just a, he was just a puppet king. But other than that, you know, I have no real lessons to share with you from uh, his life. Other than don't, I guess I could say this: don't be anybody's puppet. 
Don't be anybody's puppet. You know? Don't let, don't let people, you know, other, you know, people a lot of times will want to run your life for you, you know, you know, so, so don't, don't be anybody's puppet. Be submissive to godly authority and all of that. You know, you understand that, but don't be anybody's puppet. Don't jump through people's hoops just because they want you to jump through them. And don't you make anybody else your puppet. You understand? So anyway, with that being said. Let's move to King David. Now, King David was a man after God's own heart. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this again. If we don't get to it today, we'll, we'll, get, we'll finish it up next week. But the main reason, you can see this in the New Testament. The main reason that uh, David was considered after God's own heart is because he did, he, he carried out God's will. Unlike Saul, who did most or a lot of what God wanted him to do, but he didn't remember with the Amalekites, he didn't do everything God wanted him to do, right? Saul didn't do everything God wanted him to do. Remember that? We talked about it last week. But David would, okay? And because David would do the full uh, will of, of the Lord, he was considered a man after God's own heart. Now, there's other things I'm sure that we could probably say that 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 made him after God's own heart. But that's, I mean, to do the will of God is so important. Do you remember when Jesus was ministering there and his, his mother, Aunt Mary, you know, and, and his, his brother showed up? Remember that? How many remembers that? And, 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 and they said to Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. And he said, who is my mother and my brothers? But they that do what? The will of God. Right? Jesus put emphasis on doing the will of God and keeping it, knowing the word and keeping it, you see. And, and if you'll do that, it'll make you a person after God's own heart. And we'll say, we'll say uh, more about that here as, as we go. If not today, I'll show you the verse on that next week. But anyway, uh, uh, David, he came on the scene during King Saul's reign. He was probably 15 years old when we first see uh, David. And eventually he became Saul's son-in-law. And... Uh, it's interesting, the first lesson that, that I think you can learn from David is that he was faithful with just a few of his, of his daddy's sheep. He was faithful to be shepherd over just, just what would be considered probably a small number of sheep. Now, I haven't gone in and studied how many sheep Jesse, his dad, had, but I know that his brothers made fun of him one time because David was faithful to just watch over and they said those few sheep of our fathers. Now it's interesting, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah, three of David's older brothers, didn't care apparently for the few sheep. But David did. And it's interesting, that impressed God and God took David, the Bible says, out of the sheep pens and made him the king of Israel. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due season. What the world thinks is small and insignificant is not small and insignificant to God. God sees things totally different than the way the world looks at them and the way a lot of Christians look at things, frankly. And because David was faithful with just the few sheep and he watched over those sheep and he wouldn't let anything happen to those sheep. And when a lion and a bear tried to come and kill him, remember, 
He killed the lion and the bear under the power of God, didn't he? Because he cared for those few sheep. And others would, his brothers disdained it. They're just a few sheep. Yeah, but his brothers didn't become the king of Israel either. And the Bible says God took him out of the sheepfold, out of the sheep pen, and made him the king. Think about that. Again, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season. Isn't that wonderful? And God raised him up and... And after God rejected Saul over the incident with the Amalekites, Samuel went to Bethlehem. The prophet Samuel went to Bethlehem to Jesse's house because God told him to go there and anoint the next king who would take over for Saul. And remember, and we could look up all the scriptures, but uh, you're, you're supposed to be reading what? First and second Samuel, first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles. Is that right? So you'll get that in your reading assignment. But when uh, Samuel went over to Jesse's house, he didn't know who he was going to anoint, did he? And that teaches us something else. Samuel, one of the foremost prophets of the Old Testament, he was not all knowing, was he? He just knew what God, uh, beyond his natural knowledge, you know, just like all of us have, uh, as far as those sorts of things, he only knew what the Holy Spirit revealed to him. And he went over there, remember? And Eliab came up, Abinadab, Shammah, you know, came up before him and he said, surely do something, but, but there's patience involved and there's waiting involved. There's time of preparation. Are we back on now? So there's time of preparation. And, uh, see, a lot of times when, uh, uh, somebody senses a call on their life or that God wants them to do something right away. And I've watched this over the years. You know, you'll see people, they'll sense a call of God on their life and, and then they'll go out immediately and try to fulfill it. But it takes time of preparation. I think of, I think of Moses. Remember Moses, you know? And uh, he sensed that call on his life to be the, the deliverer. And remember when he was, uh, I think it was when he was 40 years old, he, he tried to, he tried to start knocking those Egyptians off one at a time. Remember that? And, uh, and, and, and he couldn't do it. He, he got the timing wrong. And so then he had to go onto the backside of the desert for 40 years and God had to train him out there. And then eventually, when he was 80 years old, he went in under the power of God and, and delivered the, the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. So we learn a lesson here that just cause God's called you to do something that's good and wonderful, but there's a time of preparation and he's got to get you ready. And that's what he did with David. And, and he prepared him and got him ready to one day step into the kingship. Now, actually, when, when we first see David after he was anointed, I guess when we first see him in relation to, to, uh, to, to, to Saul. Now, this is kind of history. I'm giving you a little history as we go, but we're digging some nug- lessons, some nuggets out here. Remember, he had to face Goliath. Remember that? How many remembers that? He had to face Goliath. And uh, so did that go off again? Dropping the signal. Okay. Well, then uh, that's fine. Then we'll just we'll just keep right on going. What do you say? Am I? Am I? How am I doing? Am I doing okay? Doing all right. You get anything? But but so we see David come on the scene as it pertains. I, I get I guess publicly, if you will. 
uh, the first time we see him is uh, uh, publicly is, is with Goliath. Remember the giant Goliath? How many remembers that? Remember that? And so he was defying the armies of the living God. And, and David went out there to take some supplies to his brothers, you know, who were out there fighting in the army. And, and, uh, uh, and, and, and you know, I, I taught a message one time on how to kill the giant. I've taught it several times. So you, you ought to go back in the archives and listen to that whole message because there's about 10 major lessons we can learn from how David killed the, killed the giant. Uh, uh, one thing I do know, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah, when David got out there, they were, they, they were afraid of the giant, weren't they? They were really cowards, really, I guess, if you, if you think about it. You can see why God didn't choose them, you know, but David, he said, uh, he, well, first of all, let me just g- give you just a few things and, and then we'll move on because I've already taught on this over the years many times. But don't ignore the giant. If you're taking notes, David didn't ignore the giant, right? And, and David didn't magnify the giant. Remember, David's brothers and the other of the army of the, of the Israelites, they were magnifying the giant. So don't magnify giants in your life. Don't ignore them. Remember, faith does not ignore giants. Faith deals with giants. Remember that? And so don't ignore the giant. Don't magnify the giant. Don't magnify the sickness. Don't magnify the disease. Compare it against God. That's what David did, you know. How many of you know cancer looks real small next to God, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. And, uh, and then remember David knew his covenant that he had with God because he called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine. See, he knew his enemy. He knew, you know, you need to know your enemy. The Bible tells us clearly that we need to not be ignorant of the devil's devices so he doesn't take advantage of us. And so David knew that Goliath didn't have a covenant with God and David knew that he did. Some good lessons to learn. If you're going to kill a giant, you better know what the Word of God says. And then uh, something else that really impresses me about David is he practiced his covenant on the smaller problems before the giant showed up. Remember, he killed the lion and the bear. See, a lot of people, Christians in the healing ministry now for a couple of decades, I've watched it that a lot of times... Uh, 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 Christians, they don't want to spend time in the Word using their faith on the headache or using their faith on the backache or using their faith on whatever. And then, and then the next thing you know, uh, there's the cancer. And if you can't get, get, believe God for a headache, how are you going to believe Him to deal with cancer? You understand what I'm saying? And so, so what, I, what, what David did is he was, he knew his covenant. He practiced it on the, on the lion and the bear. And then he was ready to go when the giant showed up. All right. And, uh, and, and then another lesson that we learned from David is that he would not wear Saul's armor. Remember Saul wanted to, King Saul wanted to send him out. David's like 15 years old. I mean, this was not that long after, I suppose, after he had been anointed by Samuel. But he's still a young boy, you know, and now he comes on the scene and and Saul wanted to put David in Saul's armor. He wanted to put his own armor on David to go out and fight Goliath. Remember that? And 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 David refused to do it. He said, I've not tried that armor. I've not tried it, you know, and uh, and, and, you know, the lesson you learn here is you can't kill the giant. Wearing somebody else's armor, or we'll say it another way, you can't kill the sickness or the disease based on somebody else's revelation of healing. I've watched this over the many years. I've watched people, 
You know, they'll listen to good ministers preach on healing and and those preachers, you know, they've got a great revelation of healing and they've experienced healing in their own lives. And and and, and but 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 people will sit and listen for years to preachers preach on healing, but they never really get a revelation of healing for themselves. And, and we need to realize, or whatever it is, you could, this applies to the uh, physical realm, the financial realm, you know, whatever. But, but you can't receive from God based on somebody else's revelation of the Word of God. You gotta get a revelation for yourself, see? And, and so we learn that from David. Now, also something else we learned from David. Go to 1 Samuel 24. Uh, as I said earlier, Saul pursued David often to try to kill him. And he wasted most, <laughs> So much of his time, Saul did trying to find David and kill him. But it's interesting, and a lesson, a great lesson we learned from David is that when David had the chance to kill Saul, he did not do it. And notice here, uh, I believe they were in a cave at this point, and David had a chance to kill him. But look at 1 Samuel 24, verse 6. And he said to his, David said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, Talking about Saul, the Lord's anointed. See, he kept seeing him as the Lord's anointed. Even though the Spirit of God had left Saul, uh, David still respected him that God had anointed him, that he was God's choice. Now learn a great lesson here. Learn a great lesson. Always respect people who God puts in authority. Whether you agree with them or not, now you always obey God rather than man, you understand that, but respect people who God puts in authority. And, and David said, he said, the Lord forbid that I should go do this thing to my, that kill my master, talking about Saul, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to raise, to rise against Saul. Now, I tell you what, in uh, pastoring for 27 years and talking to oodles of other pastors and being around the ministry for, for 35 some odd years, this is one thing that I, that, that this is, let me put it this way. This is a lesson that most Christians have not learned from David because I've, I've, I've been on the receiving end of it. My wife and I have. And, uh, and, and I've watched other pastors on the receiving end of this. And, uh, I've watched church members just talk so badly about their pastor and, uh, and their pastor's wife. And not just here, but elsewhere. Uh, in other churches, I've watched this. And, uh, it's a despicable thing. And, 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 uh, it, it's a despicable thing. I said, it's a despicable thing. I've watched people over the years, they'll come to Diane and I, and to our face there. And then they'll go right out and just slice us and dice us with their words. And not just us, but other pastors. It, this is a rampant problem in the body of Christ. And you wonder why God's people aren't blessed any more than what they are. Now, not everybody does it. Not all Christians do it. But I'd say, I'd say probably... If I had to put a number on it, I'd say 80%. That's a high number, isn't it? And, and then you wonder why God's people aren't blessed any more than what they are. You see, it's one thing to disagree with me. Disagree with me, fine. In the way I'm put together, if you disagree with me, come look me in the eye and tell me what you think. 
Like Elliot Davis said, tell us what you think. You paid for it. I have a little thing, Just I'll just be as open as I can here with you, but we've had people here over the years, you know, and, and some of them have tithed and been supporters financially, and others haven't put hardly two nickels in. And I'm talking, these people now have all since departed the church, so nobody that I'm talking about here, but but you know, the, the people that hardly put any anything in at all, they'll chew you up with their words. And then the people that were tithers, they chew you up. And I have a little joke with my wife. I say, well, you know, when, when tithers do it, I said, well, at least they paid for it. You know, <laughs> at least we got compensated for it. You know what I mean? Don't you see the humor there? <clears throat> at least, at least, at least we got compensated for their abuse. I mean, there's only one thing worse than people talking bad about you that support financially is people talking bad about you and they don't. Yeah. It's like I have this little thing I say about, about uh, what is it about uh, volunteers and paid employees. There's only one thing that's worse than a volunteer that doesn't do their job. And that's somebody that you pay to not do their job. Right. And until you've been on the end of it where, where you've been the supervisor you won't know what I'm talking about but you know it's bad enough when a volunteer won't do their job but there's one thing worse than that when you pay people a good salary and they don't do their job you understand what I'm saying but but you know I, so I went off and joked a little bit there but seriously this is a serious problem in the body of Christ uh, church members chewing their pastors up and talking bad about them. It's a, it's a problem. It's been a problem in this church over the many years. And it's been a problem, I think, in most churches. I remember Diane and I went out to lunch one time after service and we walked into a restaurant and there were some people sitting there. I didn't know them. They were from another church. I don't even know what church they were from. But I, I could tell you just as we walked by the table and we sat at a table nearby, you know, sometimes you can hear what comes off another table, you know. And I tell you what, they, 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 they might have been having turkey or, or chicken on their table, but they weren't really having turkey or chicken. They were having their pastor for lunch. And it was all I could do to not get up and go over there and rebuke them. But I just minded my own business. I didn't know who they were. But it is, it, it's, it's, it's a rampant thing in the body of Christ. And we need to learn a lesson from David that, you know, you may not agree with me on everything. And you may, if you're watching on social media, you may not agree with your pastor on everything. As long as he's not disobeying the word of God, you know, but, you know, there's sometimes, there's sometimes pastors will want to paint the call, a wall a different color. And people get all up in arms over that. Do you know that? Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, you know, now if the pastor's telling you to do something that's out of line with the word of God, that's different. But as long as he's doing his best to follow the Lord, you may not agree with him on everything, but you need to respect that office that God has put him in and not talk badly about him. Yeah. Yes. Can, can anybody say amen to that? Yeah. Yeah. And let's learn, because David had the chance on a couple occasions to kill Saul and he did not do it. He wouldn't even speak against him because he considered him the Lord's anointed. Now, that was worth coming to church for just, just to get that. Now, now, I'm not saying any of you need to, need to hear it. I, most of the people that in, infracted on this, you know, they've long since gone a long time ago. But be that as it may, we all need a reminder, don't we? 
said, we all need a reminder. And like I said, the way I'm put together, if you have something to say to me, that don't say it behind my back. Like Elliot Davis said, come, you know, you pay for it. Come and tell me to my face. Is that fair, you know? And I've had people do that over the years, you know, come and tell me what they thought. And there's sometimes that people brought things to me and I see, I saw, you know, I, I needed to make a little correction in, in an area or two, you know. But, uh, uh, I, you know what I would suggest? Uh, this is just, I feel by the Spirit of the Lord. Before you go with something to your pastor, a complaint, start praying about it and praying that God will deal with him. And you know what? A lot of times it, it, God will deal with the, with the man. Or the woman before you have to go and intervene. And besides, church members shouldn't set themselves up to be correctors of their pastor anyway. God have, has other mechanisms for that. I've, I've, I've had church members over the many years, years gone by, where they think their, their assignment in the church is to correct me and change me. That's not, that's not a church member's assignment. The assignment of the church member is to come and learn from me and be nurtured by, by the word of God. You understand that? And uh, if God needs to correct me, he has other mechanisms to do that. Okay? You understand that? And that's true not just for me, any pastor. Right? Um, but a lot of church members think it's their role to correct the pastor, and it's not. So learn that lesson from, from David. He would not... Kill Saul, he wouldn't speak against him. He considered him the Lord's anointed. That's a good lesson to get, isn't it? Yes, it, is. it, it, it really is. And, and remember, uh, if you want to be a man after or a woman after God's own heart, here's how David acted, you know. Very honorable, very honorable. Now, it's interesting also when Saul was killed, David, now this is a man, Saul, that tried to kill David on, on multiple occasions. But when word finally came to David that Saul had been killed, David did not rejoice. But he mourned Saul's death and the death of his sons. And it's, it, it, he did, and I think if I'm not mistaken, he put, a, he put some music together, you know, in honor of, to, to try to honor the life of Saul, I think, and his sons and whatnot. Because David was a musician, you know, sweet psalmist of Israel. We'll say more about that as we go. But, uh, you know, we should not take any pleasure in the de demise of, of those who oppose us. That's another lesson worth writing down if you're taking notes. Now, uh, in 2 Samuel 6, I'm not going to refer you to any specific verses, but you can read that chapter, 2 Samuel 6, and we learn some other lessons from David. Remember, David, he wanted to bring the Ark back, the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, it had fallen into Philistine rule. Remember that? And he wanted to bring the Ark back. And, and it's interesting, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this because we can learn some lessons from it. When they went to get the Ark, they set the Ark on a new cart. And, uh, and Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the cart. And Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God because the, the oxen, I think, hit a, the, 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 the cart it was on, it, it hit a, something in the road, maybe a hole or a rock or something in the road. And it, it, and it looked like the ark was going to fall over. And Uzzah put out his hand, you know, to steady it. And Uzzah fell dead right there. He was struck dead right there by the Lord. Absolutely. And... Uh, 
And, and before I go on with this, let me just say this. Holy things have to be respected and honored. And it's interesting, if you look at the Philistines, who were heathens and didn't know God, they could put that Ark of the Covenant on a cart and drive it around, and they didn't get struck dead. But Uzzah and Ohio, actually you can study into it, they were priests, and they knew better or should have known better because remember, the ark was not to be transported on a cart. It was to be transported through those poles. Remember that? Carried by the priests. Remember that? And so it's interesting. The Philistines, who didn't know any better, didn't get struck or judged by God. But people who did know better did. What do we learn here? It's a good lesson that, that you know, God's going to hold us responsible for the light that we do have. And the, the Philistines were heathens. They, they didn't know any better. So God did not strike them for putting it on, on, on a, uh, on, on a cart. Now, some bad things happened to the Philistines, all right, because the ark was there. But, but the lesson right here is, is that, that when, when people don't know any better and they mishandle the, 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 the things of God, God will wink at that. You know what I mean by that? He'll put up with, with, with it a lot of times. Because they don't know any better. But when people know better and they, they, they know how they should handle the presence of God and they, they're, they're just disrespectful anyway, now that's a whole nother thing. And that's what happened here. Uzzah should have known better. They, they, the, 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 the people of God here, David, David should have known better. Okay? And they should not have brought that back on, on a cart. You understand that? Yes. And, and so Uzzah, he, he, he put out his hand to touch it. And, and, and all of that, and he fell dead, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against him, and, and so on and so forth, and he died there by the ark, uh, and David wouldn't move the ark. I mean, David, he was a good, he was, I mean, when that happened, I mean, they all backed off, you know? And I think it went to the, I think it went to the house of, if I'm not mistaken, I think it went to the house of Obed-Edom and was there for a while and, and the house of Obed-Edom was blessed, but David wanted that ark back. So I think what happened is they went back to Jerusalem and dusted off their Old Testament scrolls and read up and figured out how do we, how do we handle, how do we handle that ark? That's what I think. And then they came back out and then they hand, the Bible said they just took a few steps. They stopped. They worshiped. They did everything that they were supposed to do. And, uh, and they got it back to Jerusalem. Have you ever had to dust your Bible off and find out how God looks at something? Anybody ever have to do that besides me? I mean, remember when the wise men, the magi came into, into Jerusalem, you know? And they were seeking, they'd been following that star, and apparently they lost the star when Jesus had been born, remember? And they went in to inquire of Herod, you know? And what did Herod have to do? He had to call the, 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 what was it, the, 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 you know, the, the, the scribes, I guess it was, or whatever. They had to dust off their scrolls and figure out where is the, where is the Messiah to be born in Bethlehem? Remember that? I think that's what happened. With, with David and, and this ark. But anyway, the ark came back. And here's another lesson we learn. Here's another lesson we, we, we learned from David. As, and this, this is in 2 Samuel 6. As a result of the ark's return, David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And he worshiped God with all of his might. And uh, Michael, his, his uh, Michal, I think is how you say it. 
Let's say, let's just say Michael. Michal. How's that? Michal? Michal, uh, I think it's how you say that. David's wife looked through the window and saw David worshiping God and leaping and twirling before the Lord. And she, that offended her and she despised that in her heart. You know, we should never make fun of the way people worship the Lord. And we should never put them down. And, and, you know, some people in their worship are very exuberant and some people I've learned aren't. And I've learned this in pastoring over the years. A lot of times people that are exuberant will look at people that aren't and the exuberant people will judge the people that aren't saying, well, they're just dead. And then the people that aren't exuberant will look at the people that are raising their hands and, and jumping up and down, worshiping the Lord. The people that, that, that aren't exuberant will look at those people and accuse them of being fanatics and crazy. And how many of you know both are wrong, aren't they? Everybody worships the Lord in their own, in their own way. You understand that? And so we shouldn't judge other people for the way they worship the Lord. You know, and I, I, I've learned this over the years. I, I, you know, I like what one good minister says, you know, sometimes when it gets a little rambunctious in a, in a worship service, I kind of like that because it's easier as a pastor. One minister says this. It's, it is easier, it is easier to tame some wildfire than it is to raise the dead. And so I, I like that statement. But, but there again, see, just because somebody, sta- I'll tell you this right now. I'd rather have somebody that stands in the, in the Baptist stance. You know, the Baptist usher stance, you know, it's either this way. And if you're Southern Baptist, it's this way, you know. But he, 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 you know, I'd rather have somebody that stands like that and, and, and they don't raise their hand. They don't dance around. They don't jump around and all that. But they're faithful. And they show up when they're supposed to show up and they do what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to be doing it with a good and the right attitude. I'd rather have people like that than people that are always jumping around hooting and hollering and they're so unfaithful you can't count on them for anything. You understand that? It's like makes me think of a guy that I knew from days gone by, days of yesteryear. He was a he was a smoker. Now, now you shouldn't smoke. okay? now will smoking send you to hell. I don't believe it will. But what's the old saying? It'll make you smell like you've been there. Right. And uh, so. So. uh, But but this 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 fella, he, he was a smoker. And he smoked and he was a, he, he was a deacon in the church and he, but he smoked, you know. And so the other deacons and elders rose up and came to the pastor and said, he must be thrown off of the deacon board because he smokes. And, and so the, 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 the pastor, they, and I mean, the pastor wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. And the, but they just stayed on him, you know. And so finally, now maybe not everybody on the deacon and elder board, but most of them, they wanted him thrown off because he smokes. And the, and, and the pastor, finally, he just, you know, he just, he was going to throw him off. And he said, nope, I'm not going to do it. He said, that man, he's faithful. He's, he's there every time you need something done. And he does it with a good and a right heart and a good attitude. And he said, these other people that want this smoker thrown off the board, all they do is crab and complain and go on. He said, now, you know, and I agree with him. I, and I say this, I'd rather have a church full of people that smoke like a chimney, that are faithful and don't talk about you behind your back and all that, than, than, than a church full of people that don't smoke that are backbiters. Can anybody say amen to that? But I'm not condoning smoking now. I'm not condoning that. Uh, now, there was a day I thought maybe smoking would put you in hell, but I've learned the word of God and I, I don't think it will. But, you know, that was back in the day when I was a kid. And I, and at the golf course, I'd come through and the ladies, 
They, 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 they had played a, a golf game, uh, called it Bingo Bango Bongo, okay? And the most that was ever going to change hands was like a couple of nickels, you know. And this is back when I was a kid and I came through the, the, the lounge, not the lounge, but the, the pro shop area there where they were having their sodas and I preached them right into hell for playing Bingo Bango Bongo, you know, and tried to get them saved, you know. But, uh, but we understand Bingo Bango Bongo. It's his first one on the green and then it gets a nickel and then, and then who's ever, after everybody's on gets, a, uh, whoever's closest gets a nickel and the first one to hold their putt, putt gets a nickel, you know. And, but bingo, bango, bongo won't put you in hell. And, 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 and uh, smoking a cigarette's not going to put you in hell. And, uh, uh, now, now I'm against drinking. I'm against, I'm against drinking. I'm against drinking alcohol. I'm against it. I'm against it. But, you know, drinking a beer, will that put you in hell? I don't think that'll put you in hell, but I'm against drinking. You understand? Drunkenness is the sin. You understand that? Bible's clear on drunkenness. Right? And drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? But what puts somebody in hell is their rejection of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to understand that. So she, Michal, she uh, despised him. Because he was leaping and twirling, and I guess David was a charismatic at heart. You know, he was leaping and twirling. Apparently, he wasn't a Baptist. He was a charismatic, evidently, and he was leaping and twirling and going on. And, and she, she, uh, and, and he says this to her: "It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father Saul and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord." And I'll be even more undignified than this. So he didn't let her stop him, did he? He just kept right on worshiping the Lord. And I'm glad that he did. But you know what? Here's the thing. Listen, if you read the scripture, it says that Michal was barren in her life. She, she, she was barren. Judgment of other people and judgment of the way they worship God will bring barrenness in your life. It will bring barrenness, barren, barrenness in your life. So don't judge other people. Don't judge the way they worship. All right. You just tend to yourself. Can you say amen to that? You tend to yourself. Now, uh, the next, uh, the next item up for bid here is in 2 Samuel 11. And, uh, I tell you what, I, 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 I think I'm going to unhook right here. Have you, have you had enough or are you thirsty for more? You're probably thirsty for more, but, uh, but it, it is 11 o'clock. The next thing that we're going to talk about is, is David and Bathsheba. David and Bathsheba. And we can learn some lessons when, he, when David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And uh, since the anointing of God, it was something that was very devastating to him. Sin will devastate you. It'll hurt you. And so I just feel, let's unhook right here. Let's pick up next Sunday with David and Bathsheba. And we're going to learn some lessons next week that I think will be very helpful to, to everybody who hears it.
Lots of good lessons. I mean, lessons, fantastic lessons that we need to learn. Let's learn them from David so we don't have to go through the, the tough stuff he had to go through as a result. What do you say? All right, so we'll pick up here next week. Listen, if you're out there watching on social media, I want to tell you God loves you. I love you. And hey, I just want to encourage you. Call on the name of the Lord. Receive Jesus as your Savior. And this is, you know, this is how I close messages. I, I was looking for a way to close messages for all these years, and I found it. So here it is. I close all of them this way. Call on the name of the Lord. You'll be saved. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And God will make your life worth living in the meantime. That's a pretty good closing, isn't it? So do that and you won't be sorry that you did. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.